what am I going to do when I retire? Because if you're if you're a teacher or you're in a corporation or so, uh, it may not be your choice to retire. You reach a certain time and they say, okay, your 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 service is no longer needed, and you say, what am I going to do? Again, that's where I say, turn around and say to yourself, what do you love to do? What have you always wanted to do and you haven't had the time to do it? And that's what you do. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. On today's podcast, I am chatting with Stuart Sachs. Stuart is the host of Someone You Should Know podcast. He is the co-host of Trash Talk podcast, as well as the co-host of Opposite Saxes with his wife. And I'm excited to have this conversation with Stuart. We actually are neighbors, yet we only met recently in person, but uh, we had met was online and uh, in a meetup group online. So excited to get to know you and have this interview with you. Well, thanks a lot for inviting me. I, I, I appreciate it. It's kind of, you know, unusual for me to be on this side of the microphone because I'm the one that's usually asking the questions and leading the conversation. And I have to, I have to realize that, hey, you know, you're not in charge here. You know, uh, Ken- Kendra's in charge, so you follow her lead. Well, didn't since I recorded on your podcast, I completely understand. And if it becomes a a co-host episode, then that's what it will be. Stuart. That, that's so right. Yes. It's all good. We'll roll it's with all the good. flow. We'll roll with the flow because that's how life is. So, Stuart, let's start sharing. You live near me in the Dallas, uh, Texas area, but this is not where you grew up. So let's start with that. I always like to know where my guests are from. So share with the audience and with me, your upbringing. Okay. uh, my, my My life in a nutshell. Actually, I was born in the army uh, in New Jersey. My father was stationed at Camp Kilmer, New Jersey, and uh, my mom and dad were married there. I was born there, but by the time I was two years old, we moved to the Chicago area, actually Northwest Indiana. And I grew up, my childhood was all spent in Northwest Indiana, just, just Southeast of Chicago. Uh, went to, went to college, uh, at Indiana university and studied broadcasting there. My goal was, upon graduation, go to Chicago, get a job in radio. I, that's what I wanted to do. But uh, I was a baby boomer, and I was of the age when Vietnam was, uh, uh, you know, very, very much a part of our, our lifestyle. And I went through ROTC in college, got my commission, and when I got out of college, I went into the service and spent uh, a year in Vietnam. And when I got back, 
it was like, you know, what do you do with the rest of your life now? I did spend a few years in Florida, moved there after I got back from Vietnam. I worked with the Disney organization down there when Disney World was being built. And then uh, I had another transition because uh, what I was doing at Disney was being moved to California. And I didn't want to go to California. So I went back to Chicago to go into my family's business, which was the women's fashion retail business. I told my father and mother that I would help them get another store open, give them one year, and then I was going back into broadcasting. Well, during that one year, I met my wife of now almost 49 years. We raised two children. End up, long story short, we spent 40 years in the retail business before retiring, following our son to northern Texas. And uh, now I am doing what I waited 50 years to do, and that was get back into broadcasting. This experience then of transitions, you mentioned the word transition, so many different life transitions. Right. And I say this in the even in the intro of my podcast, that grief doesn't just happen when someone dies. Grief happens during exactly. major life transitions. So in your life then, in that aspect of leaving behind what you knew and you were studying, you're a young man going to Vietnam, coming back, trying to engage in what you were doing and what you had studied to do. And this idea of like, uh, um, of okay, this is what I studied, this is what I'm going to do. And then it not coming to fruition until now again, right. 40 years later that now you're doing, you know, back what you did. How did you live day by day with that uh, idea in your life of, I did not fulfill what I studied. I'm just curious because I studied theater. And so for me, the fact that I'm not pursuing that is something that sometimes still hangs up in my head. So share with us that. When you invited me to, to come on your program and talk about grief, I realized that, you know, there are many, many forms of grief. Certainly when my orders came to go to Vietnam, uh, you become very, very scared because you just don't know the road that lies ahead. So there is a form of grief there because uh, am I going to make it home? Uh, you know, will I survive over there? And how will I survive? I'm used to doing, you know, doing my life a certain way, and now I've got to change it 180 degrees in a very structured way. So that was a kind of a form of grief to deal with because I'm leaving my whole family and career and everything behind. Well, you know, fast forward one year and I'm on a plane coming back to the United States. I'm, I'm coming back to reality. Now, all of a sudden, again, a little bit different form of grief. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How do I, uh, how do I do that? And you deal with it. You deal with it, I think, based on your upbringing and, you know, the, the, the things that you've gathered along the way. I would say probably the next, the next uh, plateau of grief that I encountered was when, uh, after 20 years in the Chicago area, uh, my wife and I had an opportunity to take our businesses and our expertise 
to Florida. Uh, we had family in Florida and we were getting involved with some uh, family businesses in Florida. But at the time, our daughter was going into middle school. Our son was going into his senior year of high school. So now here's another little form of grief. Are we making the right decision to uproot at a very, you know, uh, a major... Crucial, crucial, oh, yeah. absolutely, cross, yes. The crossroad kind of for these kids. For and them, our, yeah. son, our son, we had some very wonderful neighbors that said, if, if your son wants to stay with us, and complete his senior year of high school here in Illinois, uh, uh, fine, we'll, we'll be happy to. And we gave our son that choice, and he decided to go to Florida and graduate from high school in, in Florida and then go on to college. Our daughter, we had a little bit more grief with with her because she didn't want to leave her friends. She didn't want to leave going from elementary school to middle school with her friends. And, you know, grief takes a lot of forms. And part of it is the ability to communicate through a situation like having to reason with, you You know, your, your 12-year-old or so a child, you know, why, you know, because frankly, she didn't have a say. We're moving and you're going with us. But we wanted to try and make it in a way that she would accept it a little bit more. And it was difficult. And, and as we have talked about, uh, that, that has its certain amount of grief that you have to deal with, you have to analyze, and you have to approach in the best way you know how. Because in that moment, you're not only navigating your own grief of, wow, we're uprooting ourselves, but you are having to be the guide for your child as they are navigating now their grief exactly. of uprooting and leaving their friends and, and so forth. So it's a double, double whammy there of what it is you're experiencing. That's right. That's right. And, and each member of the family has their own level of grief to deal with. You're always saying to yourself, are we making the right decision? And then ultimately, I think that's the part about grief that I think is positive. And that is, it may take a month, it may take a year, it may take longer, but you ultimately look back at that situation and you realize that the grief that I went through was really part of the building blocks of my future. You know, that, that yeah, it was kind of tough to go through, but, you know, we're, we're better for it now. We, we've had conversations, you know, off, off mic um, about that. And that's one aspect of grief that, that I see a little differently. And that is, you know, whether it be uh, a family situation or it be death, the grieving part of a passing, it will subside unless you, uh, you let it just eat away at you constantly. And I find that, that in the, the people that I have lost along the way in my life, and there have been been many to illness and uh, and tragedy. I try to focus on the positive aspects of that person's life rather than on that death experience. Uh, and I think if more people were to kind to see that your 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 show is grief and grief gratitude and the gray in between. It's that gray in between that's the 
I think is the most important part is getting past the grief and being grateful for what the situation provided you in your lifetime. Mm. Yeah, there, there are so many types of grief and there are some, if it's based on like when you move or things like that, that are, right. that can have more of a timeline component. Of course, when it's a death, it's different, right? That type of grief might be different and the there is not a real timeline per se and how it's expressed, how grief comes out is differently. Same with these transitions in life, like the moving, right? So in your case, when you guys moved to Florida, having to navigate then the different emotions that were coming up in each of you, but especially in your kids, was the grief showing up in anger? Was the sh- grief showing up in in being quiet, uh, secluded, not as social? How was it showing up in the different members of the family in this aspect of the moving type of transition? You know, for for my wife and I, it was it was a, a you know a new exploration. It was a new experience for us. We were getting a new house. We were uh, relocating our businesses. We were we were working. We were busy. The kids were in school. Uh, again, with my young daughter, I think if anybody harbored a little bit of anger in the grief process, uh, it was probably her. However just like I said, there's that gratitude aspect of it. She bonded, I I would say probably within the first six months or so of, of being there with a, a girl about her same age in the neighborhood. And, you know, within a year's time, they were inseparable. They were like the best of friends. And those friends that she left behind in Illinois, uh, all of a sudden they were little by little being replaced with friends in, in Florida. And so looking back now, I can see all these years later that my daughter still keeps in touch with a lot of the friends that she made in Florida, and maybe even more so than some of them that she had in, in elementary school in, in Illinois. So, but, you know, we did have to navigate it because there were a lot of times that you wanted to do something or had to do something in Florida. I don't want to do it. Please don't make me do it. Why do I have to do it? Well, just let's roll with it and see what happens. You know, yeah. So, yeah, you you deal with it uh, in different ways and at different times. And, and probably that child rearing time of life is filled with maybe more forms of grief than anybody would really like to yes. go through. Agreed. Uh, when they probably, if, is <laughs> like when someone uses a pacifier, for example, and that all of a sudden their little pacifier is no longer around or it disappeared. It was taken by the angels or it was taken by whatever it is. Or the that dog. In its, or the dog. Ate, well, <laughs> no, I'm saying sometimes what people say that happened to the pacifier, right? They right. don't allow sometimes that transition to maybe happen on its own of the child being part of that process of letting go of the pacifier or of their blankie, or I remember even just the thumb with my son, like, how do you take, how do I hide his thumb? Right. (laughs) I can't hide his thumb anywhere. It's gotta be something he's going to have to choose on his own, which he did. But these different things of letting go of different parts of us and stages of us, you're right. Childhood is probably the biggest. We think of it like, they're little, but no, for 
for a child, that's really our first major, you know, grief experiences. And as parents, to allow them to experience some of these major life changes and help them navigate through it is important because it's going to then be, like you said, you, you, meant, you used the word building blocks, the phrase building blocks. It is. It's a building blocks for character, for resilience, for other things that are way bigger that will be occurring in our lives, like the death of a loved one. Right. So it is, it is important. Now, Take us more into that part of yourself then too. You guys moved then to Florida. You started this business. How long were you guys there? And again, here you're still not doing the broadcasting component. Did you embrace this new retail path for you, like this entrepreneur side? Well, I grew up I grew up in the retail business with my parents. And also when, when I returned, uh, from, from, uh, that, you know, three year stint in Florida, uh, to help my parents, I was familiar with the retail business. And when Lauren and I met, she came into the business with us and we spent 20 years in, in the Chicago area in business. Then we went to Florida and spent another 20 years there, uh, 10 of them, Ten of those were with other family members in in helping to manage their businesses and running our own, and then we finally moved down to the Florida Keys, which was a paradise, and we bought a little boutique and we ran uh, an, an upscale ladies boutique in Florida for the last ten years of our career, and it was wonderful. The kids were grown; they were out of the house, went on to to their own careers in college, and also it was. It was just Lauren and I until the time that our son, who was also in Florida, got a, got a promotion and moved to Texas. That was, again, facing maybe what we might call a little bit of grief. Do we stay in Florida? Do we keep the business going? Or do we retire and relocate? Because relocating brings on its own amount of grief. Well, we made the decision that we it was time to retire after 40 years. Uh, so we retired and we moved to be near our son and daughter-in-law and only grandchild. That was really the reason that we, we, we came to, to Texas. Well, you're retired. Now what am I going to do? I was going to sit and, and just read uh, and all, but eventually I had the opportunity to go back into broadcasting. And so... That was the gratitude aspect of the grief that we had gone through to relocate. You re reconnected with the first love career-wise with then broadcasting after this next chapter. It's not retiring doesn't mean that it's just done, it's right? All, like you yeah. said, <laughs> you're not it, just going to It's not all rock, rocking chairs and porches. It doesn't have to be that. In fact, I when people... Uh, at, often ask me, what am I going to do when I retire? Because if you're if you're a teacher or you're in a corporation or so, uh, it is, may not be your choice to retire. You reach a certain time, and they say, okay, your 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 service is no longer needed, and you say, what am I going to do? Again, that's where I say, turn around and say to yourself, what do you love to do? What have you always wanted to do and you haven't had the time to do it? And that's what you, what you do. Uh, 
So I'm writing now and I'm broadcasting. We enjoy cruising and, and vacationing and spending time with family. And sometimes we just look at each other and say, hey, why don't we go to a movie this afternoon? You do the things that you, you like, like to do because you've earned it. You've earned that right to do it. And if you, if you want to just sit on the front porch with a good book and, and a rocking chair, then go do that. I want to dive more into that. Let's talk about that part of identity because so many of us end up relating our identity to what it is we do. So I am a podcaster. I am a mother. I am this, right? So the moment that a shift in your identity is no longer there, right? So in your case, your business owner, you, your retail, you know, your retail, that part wasn't there. And if you have tied your whole identity and your whole life around this one little sliver of who you are, then of course, when retirement hits, it's like, what do I do when all I've done is live to work <laughs> or work to live? Yeah. Work, live to work really. Right. Sometimes when you're going in through in, into this, like, new stage of your life, like you said, finding then these other aspects of you that maybe you had left in this back burner for a while. Right. Take us into more of these things then that you said you like you that you're doing now. I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say a teacher, a teacher spends their entire career, you know, working with children and, and giving, helping to give them a, an education and guide their futures when they retire, all they have really known is teaching. Well, in some aspects, that teacher might say, you know, I'm going to open up my own tutoring uh, business so that I can assist one-on-one -on -one some children because I've been in a classroom situation all these years and I'm good at what I do and that's what I want to do. There are other teachers that may say, boy, that last day can't come soon enough. I am so over teaching, but I enjoy cooking. So I think I'm going to go to a cooking school uh, or I'm going to get a job in a restaurant or I'm going to open my own little restaurant. That's what you do with the foundation that you've spent, spent your life doing. And that's why I say it, it affords you the opportunity to go in a direction that is self-chosen if you unfortunately have not been able to save for retirement in order to do some of those startup things that you'd like to do, then partner with somebody else or find an avenue that, that's available so that you can continue to pursue something that is of interest. I think the hardest thing that anybody can do is to be tied down to a, to, to a job just for the paycheck to not enjoy what you do because there were times during my career that, boy, I couldn't wait to turn the key in that door and close the shop and get out of there and get home, have a nice meal, watch, watch some TV, put my feet up. But knowing that the next day was going to be a repeat, kind of like Groundhog Day. And boy, when you're in the retail business, there was a period of time where our businesses were open seven days a week and six nights. So 
Sunday evening was the only time that we could really make plans with friends because something would always end up coming up. Yeah, the part of it being like your it's all your life like if that if we're so consumed in our job and that's really the only parts of our life that we we've done then when that shift in time in life comes that we retire or we change in jobs it is just so much harder because we have probably not even found other things that we were passionate about because we were so busy just even just trying to survive a lot of times right that is what some people some people do. So what would be some tips into like finding those things that you do like for you guys, if you were open seven days a week at, at times and seven nights in some of your retail things, what were some of the things that you Lauren and the kids would still do that you enjoyed that then now you've kind of taken on even further now? Well, we ate out a lot. (laughs) So, 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 so we learned which restaurants we like, which ones we don't like, you know, what, what, what fast food works best <laughs> and all, but from that, you, you also realized that maybe, maybe now that I'm retired or I don't have to go to the, to the, to the shop every day, maybe instead of taking out, I'll buy all the ingredients and I'll make it at home. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, when, when we first retired, the first thing I said was, okay, I got a lot of time on my hands. I am going to read. I've never been a reader, you know, magazines. Yes. But a novel, it it could take me a year to get through a, a novel, 300, 400 pages. Cause I'm good for a few pages at a time and I either fall asleep or I just can't get connected. So I said, I'm going to read and I want to read the classics. So the first one I I picked up was Crime and Punishment. And I started reading it, and it was pretty interesting, but it took me a while to get through it. And then I realized I cannot spend the rest of my existence reading. (laughs) I've got to do do something else. And my wife and I looked at each other, and we said, what do we enjoy? Well, growing up, when we could get away, we liked to go to sporting events. Uh, we followed baseball, uh, you know, football, basketball. So somebody happened, one of our neighbors here in North Texas said, well, you like baseball? We have a minor league baseball team right here in town. Oh, that sounds interesting. So sure enough, my wife and I went down to, they had, uh, you know, an, an open uh, forum to learn more about it. We signed on and we became game day ushers for a few years and it it got you into the baseball park you got paid a few bucks to, for the for it and you got to watch the games and it was fun of course except in July and August oh, here in Texas oh, yeah, yeah. that'll that'll knock you out so but we did it for a couple of years and it was fun because we had the time to do it we also had a passion for for doing it and little by little uh you know now to this day, not only do I do the podcasting, but I also write articles for a veterans magazine. Um, I'm involved in a few veterans organizations. Uh, somebody comes along and says, how would you like to join us for this? Uh, yeah, I got the time to do it. The, the, the hardest part when we were in retail was finding the time to be able to do those things mm-hmm. because invariably we would make plans 
to go on a vacation. We would make plans just to go out for dinner with friends. Somebody from one of the stores would call in sick and we would have to go cover. That was the downside of it. That was the grief part of running your own businesses. I hear Uh, you. I owned owned a franchise for six years, so I completely understand. My days off, I'd still be with my phone right next to me because I wouldn't know who was going to call that didn't show up or, and it was all good in seven days a week. So I completely can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. And why did I become a business owner? Yeah, you know, especially why? small businesses, because it does end up still needing a lot from the owner themselves when it's smaller businesses, right? When you don't kind of right. have it all. Wow. Okay. So you, you ended up then doing baseball. That would, let's take, take you do writing for some articles. Take us into your the podcast and the three different ones that you have, because each of these are probably also tapping into different aspects of you and the things you like. So the yes. one I was a guest in is the someone you should know. So let's talk about that one first, and then the other two. Okay, and that came about just by surprise. Uh, I thought. I, I would really like to do something with my my broadcasting. When I was in business, I used to work with local radio and TV stations in in uh, developing uh, our advertising. So kept my fingertips in it a little bit. But when I got to North uh, North uh, Texas, one day I had heard about a local radio station, and I thought, eh, why don't you just go over there? And I walked in one day, and I said, Look, I'm retired. I used to write commercials. Uh, I used to record my own commercials. I've got time on my hands. If I can help, I'd be happy to. And Mark Warner, who uh, was the the owner and developer of KVGI Radio here in Frisco, Texas, said to me, you know, you've got a pretty good voice. Would you like to have your own radio show? There was a long silence because I had waited 50 years for somebody to say that to me. And I said, absolutely. He said, well, just give me a couple ideas of what you'd like to do and we'll do it. The next morning, eight o'clock in the morning, I was in his office with a proposal to do a show called Someone You Should Know. And it was based on uh, a broadcaster in Chicago that used to do a little short segment called Someone You Should Know uh, on one of the TV stations. And I said, I would like to just interview people, their backgrounds, you know, their hobbies, their, you know, what, what they do. He said, okay, let's do it. And again, I thought, you're really going to give me this opportunity? And one of my first guests was a young 15-year-old uh, uh, young man who was building above-ground gardens. Uh, he was putting them together with four by fours and wood and everything. And you could buy this, this four foot high garden so that you could, you know, for older people and also for people that don't want to have to. And know, also cause there are a lot of bunnies in this area. That, yes. As, and you could. And so he was building these in his garage. His parents couldn't even park their cars in the garage because he and his friends, he had two friends also 15 years old, started building these above ground gardens. They started selling them. They were making money hand over fist and they're saving up to buy a car. They don't even drive yet, but one of them at 
at 15 and a half years old, bought his own car, waiting until he gets his license. That was the kind of thing that appealed to me was that I could, I could interview anybody. I've interviewed politicians. I've interviewed comedians. I have interviewed people that, that, uh, you know, do nonprofits. I have interviewed authors. I, I have some sources that I go to to find people to invite on the program. And I don't just talk about their careers because that's part of it, but it's the backstory. How did you get there? Uh, one that comes to mind is a gentleman who is a life coach now and works with helping people reach their potential. He was raised one of 13 children in a cabin in, in backwoods, Mississippi, raised with nothing, came from poverty, and he was the first member of his family to get a college degree. Fascinating story. Well, what he does as a life coach is, is appealing, but that backstory is what really made the conversation. And I always like to in, in have that aspect of it. So Someone You Should Know was my premiere show. I've been doing it for over seven years now. Uh, still love every minute. That's over almost 400 shows I've, I've done, 400 guests. It's so intriguing. I am just like you in the part of getting to know someone and their story. I mean, that's why all my episodes are interviews as well, because right. I find we learn so much from others and their journeys, and we are inspired by someone's story. So I, I love that. Now, take us into the other two shows that you do. Okay. One of the guests that I had on Someone You Should Know was a young man named uh, Brandon Navarra. Uh, he is a freelance writer, uh, and he was writing for a local magazine. And he wrote an article about ghosts uh, around Halloween. He is He's passionate about following these stories. And I said, I got to get him on the show. And we talked about his research uh, of ghosts in, in old buildings and under bridges. And Brandon was just, he was just a fascinating guy to talk to. Well, a year or so later, I talked to him and I said, we should do a show sometime together because he's a funny guy. I'm a funny guy and do it. Okay. Why don't we do it? Well, what are we going to talk about? I said, ah, we'll just, we'll just talk some trash, you know, whatever we want to talk about, you know, we'll pick a subject and we'll, we'll talk for 20 minutes about it. He says, okay, let's call it trash talk. And that's exactly what we do. And we do that every week. And then the third show that I do on a regular basis, I tried talking my wife into being a guest on my show for a couple of years. Finally, I said to her, you know, why don't we just do something where we pick again, pick a subject and talk about it. Maybe we have the same viewpoint. Maybe we have a differ, different viewpoint. Well, our last name is Sachs. So it was a natural to call it opposite Saxes. Um, I love it. Love it. Love the play on. And that's there. almost a two year old show. And I got to tell you that most of the comments that I get about that show is, boy, your wife is so good on that show. And I said, well, 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 what about me? You know, she, but <laughs> she became, she became the focus of, of the show. And, you know, we live in a time where a lot of people want to do podcasts and there's a 
there's a good way and a bad way to do podcasts. There's a lot of garbage out there. Uh, I have to say that. But podcasting has become more mainstay. And especially after COVID, a lot of people who were stuck at home were doing their businesses virtually. And they realized, well, I can carry on a conversation, not just a meeting virtually. And so a lot of people are doing podcasting. Unfortunately, what I see, a lot of them get started in it. And then after six months or maybe a year or so, they say, eh, this isn't fun anymore. If you're going to get into this like anything in your life, you got to commit yourself to it. Uh, as you said, when you got into a franchise, you don't just go, go franchise, say, because I just want to put more money in the bank account. You got to work for it. Mm-hmm. And on anything that, that you do, the subject that you're doing in your podcast of talking about grief and, and you know, the gray in between that and gratitude, it's a it's a focal point and you want to get that message across and you can't just do it with one episode every six months. You have to do it with some kind of consistency. And because you have done it with a consistency, it's become a very popular program for people to follow. Well, same with yours and the the part of knowing, I believe that not only is it something that we are still following our passion by doing it and our purpose, but it's also giving that opportunity to the guests when, when they're on to share their stories. And then to the listeners that even if there's just a handful of people, or I don't know how many that may listen to each episode that someone has been inspired or moved by someone else's story is, I think that's the winner right there. So whatever it is, you can feel inspired by someone else's story and kind of shift the trajectory of your life in that, in that way too. Yeah. I mean, your, your, your program is very focused, you know, on grief and gratitude uh, and also, so each program has a little different aspect of that. With something like someone you should know, uh, I could have somebody that's absolutely hysterical on one week, and the next week I'm talking to somebody about a very serious and maybe dry subject. And so my my viewers might say, "Yeah, I don't really care for that show," because mine is a little bit, a little bit of you know, uh, a lot for everybody. Right. But that's the thing. You're still going to draw in interest from someone in each episode. Now, how do people listen to your podcasts? What are the different ways in which they can listen to all three of these? I have a a website and it's stuartsax.com. Very, very simple. Uh, S-T-U-A-R-T-S-A-X.com. You can, that's a good place to start. Uh, I'm on YouTube and uh, Spotify and uh, about 14 other sites. They can, they can see the shows. Yeah. Uh, and on YouTube, you can just go to YouTube, Stuart Sachs talk show host, and you can see all the, the various different uh, shows that, that we do. If you like uh-huh. them, click the little button that says like. <laughs> subscribe. If it's on YouTube, subscribe or any of the other That's things. Right. And if you can have time to even write a review and any of our any of those platforms that allow reviews, it's always very helpful. Just we like with someone with a business, sure. yeah, just like someone that owns a business that Yelp review or you know goes a long way for them. Exactly. Same with any of these uh, platforms as well. Now, I want to ask you, Stuart, what are some of the things you are grateful for 
in life, in all these different life transitions that you've gone through, now you're a grandfather, a huge life transition there. You moved here to be closer to your grandson. What are these, I mean, you've kind of sprinkled through the show some of these gratitude aspects. Tell us some of these other things that you are grateful for. Well, I, you know, I'm grateful for all of the things that have made me who I am now at the age of 77. Uh, you know, I've, I've experienced so much in my lifetime. And, and I think that that is the one thing that I'm most grateful for is the fact that I didn't grow up in a, in a small town and did a job my whole life. And now I'm still sitting in that small town. I've been able to travel. I've been able to meet so many incredibly wonderful people like yourself uh, and be able to share my knowledge and experience with other people who have had knowledge and experience. Because even at my age, I don't know it all. I'm still learning and I'm still sharing with other people. And I am so grateful for that opportunity to continue to grow and learn and share and experience because that's what makes life worth living. That is a beautiful message. To it was a great share. question. Thank you very much. I love well, that. Well, thank you for, for sharing that and that part of still being able to learn. I was having that conversation with my dad once and I was saying, Dad, if we were meant to have only learned up to a certain age and that we were not as human beings capable of learning and growing, we would die. We would all die very young, <laughs> young if that was the case. No, we are constantly in a stage of change, of growing, of learning, and there's always something new you can add to your experience day to day of. And, and, and like you said, like, oh, well, I've always wanted to do this. Now I have the time let me do it. What's stopping us? And what do you actually, let me ask you that. What do you think stops most people from trying something new or other, let's say other people that you might've met that are retired. Do you notice a pattern of certain blocks that maybe people have of fears of not trying something that they love? Well, probably the key, key element to what you just said is, is your medical condition is because as we get older, sometimes, you know, like we, we grew up loving running, walking, hiking, and all of a sudden now you've got arthritis or bad back or, or something that prevents you from doing what you love. So now you try to do something else. Uh, for instance, I went from riding a regular bicycle to riding a recumbent bicycle because I have a bad back. But I found out that even though you have a bad back, there are all alternates. Like when you go to the gym, there are certain pieces of equipment you can no longer use. You learn how to use other pieces of equipment. So it's a, it's a desire. Being and flexible. As you, yeah, and being yeah, That's flexible. right. Being, mm -hmm. being able to take on new suggestions and, and new challenges. And the desire to do that. I usually ask this at the end of the podcast. Is there something I have not asked you in regards to either grief or gratitude or that grain between or anything about your life that you'd like to be able to share with the audience? Wow. Anything, we'd have to do another show. 
Probably. Well, it's but. usually like, it, was there something that you're like, oh, I want to make sure that I say this? You know, sometimes we have these ideas. Of course, it doesn't always pan out. As you know, with podcasts, you don't know. Some, and both you and I have the same format that we are having just a right. conversation. We don't have anything planned out. So if by chance there was something else you'd like to leave with the audience with some words of wisdom. I would just say to follow your, follow your dreams, follow your passions. Don't, don't, you know, don't stop doing what you want to do unless again, physically you might not, but open your mind, open your heart, open your life and share it with other people. I never would have met you, Kendra, if it weren't for, for some platforms that we also share and then from that, we found out that we were neighbors and we've passed each other on the sidewalk now. If, if that wasn't available, it never would have happened. And I continue to do what I, I love to do. I encourage people to do it. And I also encourage people to do the things like you're doing. And that is to, to add, you know, these passionate things to your life you always have room to do something not only for yourself, but for other people. By adding value to someone else's life, you're already adding value to yours as well in that process. So thank you so much, Stuart. And thank you to your wife, Lauren, too, who I got to meet as well. And we, can we send some love to Shana, your 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 dog that passed away yeah. can you want to just share really one kind of, that yeah. was what kind of brought us uh, brought us together was you know that uh, uh, and again i think that's uh, again what your show is all about is i i grieve now the loss of of our our dog that we had for 11 years and and she died of an illness uh, but the i'm grateful for all the positive things that she she brought to our family during those years and and do that folks be great be grateful don't grieve over it uh too long be thankful for the good stuff thank you so much again we had Stuart Sachs on the show and you can find his podcast on his website stuartsachs.com thank you Stuart my pleasure thank you again so much for choosing to listen today I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, If you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.